Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hayes Hour podcast this month. Uh, slight change to the normal status quo. As usual, I'm Jay, and I'm your co-host. And this month, I'm joined by one of the newer members of the Presswich Hayes media team, Zenia. Zenia, would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Say hello. Hey, hello. Uh, my name is Zenia, uh, and I'm part of the graphics team here at Presswich Hayes. Um, oh, yeah, I just thought an interesting fact. Uh, I live in the UAE, so uh, yes, more yeah. of a... A distant supporter, but yeah, glad to be on board. Looking forward. Yep, joining us all the way from Dubai. He's been helping us out with the graphics. If you've been keeping up with the Twitter and looking at the Wallpaper Wednesdays and some of the uh, full-time graphics and yeah. things that are coming through on the... Um, if, there's any, if there's any pictures on the Twitter, most of them come from him. <laughs> um, so here's your man to thank. Um, today on the Hayes Hour podcast, we will be looking at. We've got a bit of a uh, we've got a bit of agenda in front of me here. We'll be looking at Hayes applying for promotion to the uh, Northwest Counties Premier Division ahead of next season. Some of the friendlies we've been playing, so we've come up against Winsford, Bootle, Radcliffe, Ashton, and Longridge at the time of recording, and we've got another one against Northwich Victoria this weekend. Uh, we'll be discussing mainstream football as we tend to do here on the Hayes Hour podcast. We'll be looking at things like the Super League, yippee, as well as some of the anti-Glazer <laughs> protests, as well as some of the anti-Glazer protests that have been happening at Manchester United, which is uh, Zanier's speciality as a United fan. And we'll be ahead to next season with one of Matt Barnes or Sean Cookson, the manager or the assistant manager of Presswich Hayes, depending on. But first things first, just before we get started with the general bulk of the Hayes Hour podcast for this month, we want to give a quick congratulations from everybody at Presswich Hayes to our very own number nine, Jack Coop, and his girlfriend, Nicola, because they've become parents. Uh, two days ago at the time of recording, on Saturday, the 1st of May, 2021, they've given birth to a healthy baby boy, which is fantastic news. All the best to the family, the Coop family. Now, the three of them. Some fantastic news, which is, I think it's a good way to um, start the podcast with a uh, with some nice happy news, especially ahead of like the uh, social media blackout that's happened recently. It's a nice way to get back into things. I'm sure you'll see it on the Twitter before you hear it here on the podcast. Um, first things first, I'm going to have to take the lead here because as we mentioned, uh, Zania is from uh, the UAE and is currently based in the UAE, based in Dubai, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that means he's not really been able to attend the games every weekend at Presswich. Um, flights don't come too cheap, especially not during the global <laughs> pandemic. Especially yeah. not during the global pandemic. Um, but um, we have been um, ahead of this, uh, ahead of next season, I should say, ahead of next season, due to the uh, expected points per game thing which people might remember from the uh, cancelled 2020 2019-2020 uh, seasons of lower league football the expected points per game sort of determined where teams finished in the league and that applies to Presswich this season in the Northwest Counties first division because we are eligible to apply for promotion to the Northwest Counties Premier Division and that's something that of course we've done rather not turn that down um and we're still waiting on confirmation, but it looks quite likely, which means that next season, the standard of football will be higher, the games will be more challenging, 
and I'm sure we're all very much looking forward to that listening. Um, Zanir, you've been, uh, obviously you've not uh, been able to attend the games, but I'm assuming you've been uh, keeping track of the general uh, score. You've been sending me the uh, the graphics for the results. <laughs> yeah, I have. yeah, I, I try to follow the Twitter page uh, as much as I can. Mm-hmm, as you should. Um <laughs> I'll just uh, quickly go over the uh, the friendlies that we've been uh, that we've been playing recently. We'll go into a bit more detail with uh, Barney or Cookie later on in the podcast. Uh, we've played against five teams thus far, all of whom are in higher divisions than us at the time of these games, and that has led to one win, one draw, and three defeats, which is somewhat respectable against teams in higher divisions than you. Um, we came off a 2-0 win against Winsford in the first friendly, in the first post-season friendly, I guess you can call them. A 2-0 win against Winsford in which um, new father Jack Coop got both goals. Uh, we went away to Buchel. Andrew won all. Again, Jack was on the score sheet for Presswich. Uh, then there was a 5-2 loss at Radcliffe, which sounds much worse on paper than it was on the pitch. A 4-0 loss at Ashton, which was not, necessarily one of the funnest matches I've covered since I've been uh, working with Presswich and most recently a 2-1 loss to Longridge which is respectable when you consider Longridge are in a higher division than we are. Um, I wasn't at the Winsford game so I can't really go into too much detail on that but I was at the Buchel game. It's the first game I've actually been able to attend since the uh, re-emergence of grassroots football following the, the, uh, the lockdown because of the pandemic. And it was so, like, for a 1-1, it was such a good game. And I'm not sure if I'm just saying that because it was the first live football I've watched in a good few months. But it was. It was excellent to be uh, to be there for. Have you been able to watch much live football, Zanir, since the, um, with, the, with, the, with the global pandemic, of course? No, no, I haven't. All on my TV. <laughs> or the it's all been on your TV, has it? Yeah. I mean... I don't think we're too far off a, t- off a TV deal at Hayes. Fingers crossed I'm someday. <laughs> kind of high key jealous I'm not, I'm not in the UK right mm. now. Well, well, I mean, um, well, what, what have you been watching on live TV? What, uh, what teams have you been watching play, apart from, of course, your team, Man United? I mean, I watch anything I can, to be honest. So I watch a lot of the Premier League games. Um, mm. So I watch a lot of City, Spurs. Um, but that's that's pretty much the only league I follow. Um, I do watch the Champions League and the Europa League. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so fair a few enough. games a week. I mean, it's better than nothing. Absolutely, yeah, it's much better than nothing. And yeah, I mean, we're all we're all desperate for some live football. I'm sure I'm speaking for uh, every single Hayes fan listening to this podcast that's been unable to attend a game for a good while. Um, live football. I mean. I have been going as a representative of the club, but it's still not the same without fans. And that's a point that's been said again and again and again, but it doesn't make it any less true, does it? Yeah. I mean, if you have no. fans, there's, it's, it's a completely different atmosphere, to be honest. Because even if mm. you're playing against a team that, that may be better than you on paper, but with fans there, you know, you have that adrenaline boost and you just end up playing better just because you want to play for the fans. And mm-hmm. they're like the twelfth man, you know. You play with eleven, but the fans are the twelfth. Of um, course, that's the uh, that's the old stereotype, and it's a good yeah. point actually. And it does apply to these games that Presswich have been playing recently. The Bootle game, which we drew, we didn't win, but we did uh, we didn't lose, thankfully. 
But then the losses to Radcliffe, Ashton and Longridge, you've got to think that, you know, maybe with, even if it's not a load of fans, even if it's not, you know, your Premier League games where there's tens of thousands of fans, yeah. um, just, just you know, a few people, a few. Just, just, just some encouragement from the stands is, it goes a long way for playing. Yeah. Someone shouting it's, out your name, like asking you to like, you know, say, go coop or, you know, they just shout out your name. It's just a different feeling and you just want to play a lot better. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. some of the, some of the games could have gone like our way if they were fans. But that's something yeah. I would like to believe. 100%. Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? It depends on like, you look at the course of some of the games that we've played, like against Bootle, for instance. Um, it was a one-all draw. As I've mentioned, that was mad. On it was, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. We were one 0 down, and we got it back to one one. I think that's correct. I hope that's correct. Yeah. Or my memory serving, uh, not serving me very well. Um, but we pulled it back to one all, and no, that's a lie. That's a lie. We did go one 0 up. We had a penalty. Um, we had a penalty. In we the won first one half. Nil. It was, was yeah, the penalty half. in the first half. Yes. Uh, penalty in the first half and we went 1-0 up. Jack Coop, of course, stuck it away from the spot. And from there, with a bit more crowd encouragement, with the crowd on your side, it's sort of you sort of feel the um, adrenaline more. You sort of feel, have that extra boost to keep holding yeah. the lead. Uh, it's a shame we weren't able to, but you know, thankfully these games that we have uh, that we have lost are friendlies. They don't. I mean, you know, they matter for, I guess, you know, your morale and keeping fit, but they don't, you know, have any serious repercussions for the state of the t- uh, for the state of the club, thankfully. And um, I think the good thing is they were playing against teams that were in above this division. So if there is a chance absolutely. for promotion, it's always great practice, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's what um, Matt Barnes said in the uh, in the interview I grabbed with him uh, after the Longridge game. Uh, moving on from the Bootle game, we had a 5-2 loss at Radcliffe, which... Again, as I said, sounds quite bad on paper to concede five goals, but really the lads did themselves proud, I thought, because Radcliffe are in what is currently the uh, Northern Premier League, which I believe is the it's the one below what was the Evo Stick Premier League, I think. Or maybe they're in the Evo Stick, or well, what was the Evo Stick Premier League? I can't remember what it is now. Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure who the sponsors are for it now, but it's one of those um, one of those divisions, uh, which is a good few higher up than uh, than Presswich Hayes, uh, to um, hold them to uh, only a three goal advantage uh, and to go with them for as long as we did as well in the game. It's just a matter of uh, I think tired legs got toward got to us uh, towards the end, but. Yeah. They did themselves. Uh, they did themselves very proud. I thought that game. I thought that game was a bit of an unfair reflection on the um, on the actual way that we played. And there were a lot of positives to take from it, especially as you said, playing against uh, teams in a higher division. It's like great practice, especially if, like I mentioned before, we do get that promotion that we've been uh, that we've been applying for. Yeah, it's great for the mindset as well. Like you know, they they expect a harder competition. And when you expect something, uh, you're not caught off guard and you'll just play a little more safe but a little better at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, followed that up with a 4-0 loss at home to uh, to Ashton United. It wasn't necessarily the most pleasant return to uh, to the Eddie Moran Park. It was our first friendly we played at home, that one. Um, but it's one of those, isn't it? You sort, of, you sort of take it on the chin. Again, Ashton United are a team that are in a higher division than Presswich, so... 
a win wasn't something that we would expect, wasn't something that we would um, be necessarily too annoyed about. Um, and again, I think 4 0 did uh, was a bit of an unfair reflection as well. It just sort of they seemed to go forward, uh, lose it a little bit more towards the end. Uh, the lads, it was uh, it was a strong performance. And uh, on another day, and like we said before, maybe with fans, it could have finished two all. It could have finished, you know, maybe we need to win it. One of those situations. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's one of the like it looks like a bit of a drubbing on paper, but it's it, it wasn't that. So I think that's what the best day. And um, finally, the most recent friendly that we played was uh, away at Longridge, and that was a barely, barely a defeat. It was two-one to Longridge, the final score. Um, it was a good game to watch, I thought, especially the first half, where I think Hayes was a much better team. And uh, I quick shout out as well to who I would give the man of the match for that game to Nathan Emery had a blinder. In my opinion, I'm not the. I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. Um, second half again, uh, things slowed down quite a bit, and uh, there's been a recurring theme throughout all these friendlies as well, which was the amount of substitutions that got used in the second half. I think it's just a little bit of. I don't want to call it trial and error, but you sort of these friendlies are the times to sort of see what works and see what doesn't work. So you know, making as many substitutions as possible, especially with. Um, with a few absences, especially at the Longridge game. I'll go into that in a second. Um, but when there's um, people who can't make the games, you know, maybe some of your starters aren't available for the matches, um, experimentation is a good thing in games like friendlies because you work out if someone, you know, maybe you've been using someone, uh, you can use someone better than you currently are, maybe uh, someone better suited to a better position or a better role. And that's what these uh, games are all about, about finding your uh, your best team. Yeah, exactly, to be honest. Um, it's just because you can't keep playing the same tactics. So let's say there's one player in the team that you know is your go-to goal scorer. Um, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll find teams, you know, usually trying to block him off and that's your tactics going down the gutter. So, yeah, I think the, the, the you might see that some of these games didn't go as planned. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think. If you try new tactics, you'll see what works, what doesn't. And if you know what doesn't work, then you have a higher chance of success, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you need more than just a plan A. You need a you yeah. need B, B, C all the way through Z in some cases. Um, I'll um, go into more detail now on the, the Longridge game and the fact that there were a significant number of absences for Hayes in that game. A very much changed Hayes lineup took to the pitch. Uh, we were without Jack Coop, of course, because uh, his girlfriend was in labour. As we mentioned, of course, the uh, the baby has come since that game. Um, we were without uh, skipper Jacob Holt. He was away. We were without Anthony Potts. We were without Sam Dickinson. Um, injuries and isolations meant that the team was very um, much changed. And having without having what would be our normal starting eleven against a team in a higher division, only losing 2-1 and putting up a hell of a fight is nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's like half the starting 11 and, you know, coming up with that kind of score. I think it's it's well, it does well for the morale as well. Absolutely, yeah. And that, course, that sort of squad rotation as well, it allows players who might not get as, much min- as many minutes 
under normal circumstances to get out and to enjoy their football, which is always nice. Um, yeah. And if anybody, by the way, just a quick heads up, if anybody wants more details on that Longridge game, if anyone wants the um, specifics from that Longridge game, you can always read a report for that game that will be published in the Berry Times, written by, uh, written by yours truly. So go ahead and give that a read. You can look that up online to find that if you're so inclined. Um, that's it for all the friendlies that we've currently played. And we've got one more coming up this weekend against Victoria, which I am going to That will also be at home. That will be at the AMP. And that is the final post-season friendly for the 2020-2021 season. There will be training sessions in the shape, of course, keep the lads in line. But after that, we probably won't be seeing a game until pre-season ahead of next year, which is something that we are all looking forward to, football without a pandemic. I can't wait. Absolutely not, no. Like, it's been been about 84 years since... (laughs) Fans have been in... in, Actually, actually, that's a lie, because... um, as you mentioned, you mentioned before you've been watching some of the uh, the high-profile games that have been on telly tonight, yeah? Yeah, I did. Um, did you catch the League Cup final? Yes, I did. Oh, yes, there were 8,000 yeah. fans, yes. Yeah, they had fans in attendance. That was one of the happiest sights I've seen in football in a very long time. It was, it was happy for me it's because if there are more fans uh, in stadiums, that just means... It's, it's a step forward for me to moving from Dubai to the UK and finally seeing games in person there. Well, so that's yeah, why I, yeah, I didn't so even, yeah, I didn't even think about that, actually. Yeah, that's totally fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's so nice to see fans back in the uh, back in the arenas, back in the stadiums, back into uh, watching the teams play. And uh, before long, there'll be fans allowed back at the AMP as well. So we will be seeing, uh, we assume, quite a lot of you guys listening uh, for the pre-season games and for the games next year. Um, as we like to do on the Hayes Hour podcast, we always like to bring in discussions about mainstream football. We tend to talk about what's been happening in the Premier League, in you know the Championship, in the games, especially during the uh, during the lockdown uh, in the most recent months. Uh, looking at the games that were actually happening was something that we tended to do. And in mainstream football, it's in the past month, since the previous episode of the Hazard podcast, oh boy, there's been a lot of random stuff that's been going on, hasn't there? Um, <laughs> we, can't, we can't not talk about the disaster that was the European Super League. And yeah, I mean... I know that you yeah, feel familiar about this, Zinir, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. It's just I have no. a lot to say about this topic. Yeah. Um, I think I think when we heard the news, I think United just came off a win, and I was really happy. I forgot what game it was. It was a tight game, and I was really happy. But then as soon as I go on Instagram and go on Twitter, all you see is uh, Manchester United signed for the European Super League because – Literally before that game, I think it was a few weeks ago, before they announced the league, everyone just thought that it was in the making. No one knew if it was like something that was substantial. And all mm. of a sudden you hear that this league is going through. You have Paris coming out and promising that there is nothing that can stop this league. And then you have 
you know, as a United fan, if you have Ed Woodward's name and you have Joe Glazer's name attached to this European Super League being yeah. one of the more like the original orchestrators for this this league, I, I just it just didn't sit well with me because you know when you support a club, you want a club that shares your ethos, you want a club that shares your values. Mm-hmm. And as a fan, and I know there were a lot of fans. I'm just going to talk about United just because, well, that's how I experienced that that, yeah, that yeah. moment. Like, would you really want to support a team that that is just running after money and is 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 going to leave everything like the history of the Premier League behind just for a couple of more bucks? You know, it just didn't make sense to me. And um, I think there were a lot of issues with it, um, just because players you can't just. You know, you just can't inject a league and you can't just go up against UEFA and FIFA. I'm not saying that UEFA and FIFA are angels of any sort, but they are the lesser evils when, when it came to the European Super League. And yeah. the numbers that they were piling up were absolutely insane. Uh, you were looking at around, a, um, a, I think it was £800 million pounds, uh, in total for winnings if you win the European Super League. I didn't know didn't that. Still well with yeah, it was eight hundred million plus, and let's That's say you outrageous. have you have Man City winning eight hundred million pounds, they can generate a a team that has a Messi, Ronaldo. You can have the Mbappes, you can have the Hollands, you can have yeah. anyone you could dream of in one team. And then you, and then they were talking about the fact that this would help other clubs that aren't part of the European Super League. So if you look at clubs like Fulham. How do you expect them to compete with a team that is worth eight hundred to one billion pounds? Yeah, you just that, is, that is ridiculous. It, I didn't know that was that was what they were planning. I didn't know that was going to be the prize pot for winning the Super League. That would, like, you know, it's been said for years that you know money is killing the game of football. It's, it's more of a game of money than it is a game of football at this point. And I don't a hundred percent. I don't. I don't think you know. I don't disagree uh, with that. But like. When it gets to the point where, like, if you take the com- the competitive nature out of football, yeah, then ultimately, what's the point? Like, sport by football is competitive by nature. That is the heart and soul of sport. Is the competitive nature yeah. of it? And if you take that away by simply bringing you know the big you know the big money teams in the country in you know in the top in the top leagues in the world and you just give them more money to a point where their teams are on another planet um, you know it's it's quite literally a different league then it's just absolutely saps the life and the heart and the soul out of the game and it's, as a fan as mm, a fan yeah as a fan, yeah, you wouldn't want to support City knowing that they will win every game. Would you really want to watch a game? You wouldn't. Well, so I, I mean, think... I think, I think people would. I mean, you know, if someone offered me, you know, as a as a Preston fan, or at least you know, maybe even for Hayes, if someone said to me, "Hey, you can guaranteed win every game," I'll be like, "Yeah, I mean, it's one of them, isn't it? Like, you can be favourites every game, but winning and winning and winning. I think eventually." The, the more you win, the less it means, I think. Yeah, 100%. You can say that about anything. And it sounds stupid saying, you know, I, th- I think I think this is I think this was a Graham Sooners quote recently, that, like, Man City are bored of winning everything City fans. And, I mean, you wouldn't be, would you? You wouldn't be no. bored, you know, winning. But <laughs> just a matter of, like, like I said, it's that competitive side of football. If you get rid of that, 
by simply making a group of teams so much better than the rest, it just kills, like, the apart tr- from those teams that are in the running with all that money that they'd be inject that they that they'd have injected into them. Apart from those six teams in England, at least, and you know the three teams in Spain that were applying and the three teams in uh, in Italy. Apart from those teams, every other club in the not just in that you know not just in the Premier League and Serie A and in La Liga, but in the football pyramid below those leagues as well in those countries, every club suffers as a result because it kills ambition. Because ultimately, for a team, you know, for a team like. Fulham, like you mentioned, for instance, a team that doesn't spend long in the Premier League often, you know, a team with ambitions to stay in the Premier League and build from there. There's a ceiling then. There's a glass ceiling which will which which will be unshatterable. Like yeah. when that glass ceiling is shattered, that talking about you know the competitive nature of football and the teams at the top being, you know, beaten by lower teams. Just look at look at the Premier League in 2016. Look at Leicester. That was an yeah, incredible, incredible season to watch. As a neutral fan, that was an unbelievable season of football to watch. But if you were to give £800 million to these teams in the Super League, you would never, ever see a team like Leicester again. You'd never see a team like, you know, Burnley making the European competitions or Wolves that have done it in recent years. You'd never see teams like... You know, when Blackburn won the league way back in '95, you wouldn't see that ever happening again because there'd just be this upper echelon of super teams, and that is boring for the neutral. It is. I mean, like, would you really like? You know, when Leicester won the the title, I, I don't, even as a neutral fan, I think as a fan of Manchester United, I loved it when Leicester got through because it just shows that you know there's competition that like anyone can win the title. Yeah, exactly. And that's and another point on the competition aspect as well. The Super League it was going to be a shut up shop, wasn't it? It was going to be these set twelve teams every year. And nothing could change yeah. about it. Like, and ultimately that kills your ambition because if you're a team like. Tottenham, Tottenham were the sort of like they were sort of the black sheep. Which didn't make uh, sense. Yeah, it didn't make sense. Super league. <laughs> yeah, like they were, they were, they were a bit like at least you know on, on on football Twitter at least they were sort of the uh, the laughing stock of the Super League plan because <laughs> you know having Tottenham playing league in playing games in a league format against Real Madrid and Barcelona, you kind of expect them to get stuffed, don't you? Yeah, like, it's, it's, expect them to get the game, but ultimately it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything because if it's a shut-up shop, then they can lose every game eight nil for all they care because they'll still be playing in it next year and receiving a a so lot. They'll of like, they, they will receive around a hundred to two hundred million pounds just by participating. That's what I mean. Like they get that injection of cash, they are set in that league. Like, yeah, cool. It's great for Daniel Levy and for the upper echelons at Tottenham. The, you know, the people that get the money. And, you know, yeah, maybe it's good for the club as well, that cash injection. But, A, Tottenham don't spend money anyway. And, B, yeah. at least on transfers. <laughs> and, uh, and, B, <laughs> um, is it worth your fans sitting through, you know, thrashings every other week at the hands of the big boys? It, like, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, honestly, <laughs> I could go on and on about this. I've got another point now that's just come to mind as well. Um, about uh, about thrashing as well, and now that I've said that, it's just slipped my mind. But um, 
but yeah you uh, yeah you're right it doesn't it doesn't make sense and it's just it is it is just unfair like it would it would just make it, it it's not it's not football is it it wouldn't be football it's it, it would be business it would be a commercialization it would be an americanization of football yeah. and that like it's just it just doesn't work that way football doesn't work in the same way that things like you know the nfl does where you have like you know, a closed-off league system and a playoffs. Like a franchise. Yeah, there won't be club that refranchises. Yeah, exactly. And, and that completely yeah, different game. Yeah, but, and that does, and that kills the identity of the club as well. Like the history of that club. Yeah, it, exactly. It completely goes against it, and you know, it's it's unfair. And the fans, and the fans knew that. The fans accepted that, and the fans revolted. And you know what? Fair play. Like seeing football yeah. fans come together against this nonsense money grabbing proposal was actually kind of heartwarming, even if it did lead to some like you know unnecessary. I mean, I mean, to be fair, a lot of the protests were peaceful as far as I was aware, but a few of them were shut down by the police and things like that. But yeah, um, it was nice seeing football fans in agreement for a change, which I think is a which I think is like a nice rarity. Yeah, I think it was nice also seeing like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, like one of the greats, you know, like yeah, leading absolutely. the charge, coming on the same page and, you know, leading the fans in, like giving the power to them. Not that they mm-hmm. needed it, but like, you know, it's always nice to see someone like Gary Neville, like who's a United great, saying up, saying that, like, you know, the Europa League, I mean, the Europa League, the European Super League shouldn't be happening. And then you as a fan, absolutely. like, okay, if he can say something, so can I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and it is nice to see you know, people like Gary Neville as well. Like, Gary Neville's rants are, are a highlight of Monday Night Football. And yeah, he 100%. has quite a, few, quite a few about the Super League. And they are, you know, it's so nice to watch because he is so passionate about it. Like, he is a passionate football fan as well as being a Man United legend, as well as being, you know, a natural a, a former player as well and a great player at that. He is, like... A genuine fan and it is nice to have that connection with someone who you idolise as you know who I'm sure you idolise as a Man United fan 100% it's nice to see not a, like a person that is passionate about the club and is not a sellout like you have with a mm-hmm. lot of these clubs 100% yeah uh, well on that topic as well the idea of um, you know messing with the identity of a club and grabbing grabbing at money and you know not having anything in common with fans Let's talk about your favourite man ever in the world, Joel Glazer. <laughs> I can't even say I can't get myself to say anything. Yeah. Um, um, just, uh, well, before we go into a bit more discussion, right, just for anyone who's um, not looked at the news uh, in recent days, well, I guess in the last couple of weeks, actually, there's been protests outside Old Trafford. This is obviously Manchester-based. Uh, there have been protests outside Old Trafford against uh, Joel Glazer and uh, his family that currently own Manchester United and pretty much, you know, the chants say it all, don't they? Get out of our club, you greedy. I'm not allowed to say that. It's a podcast. It, this is a PG podcast, so I better not carry on with that chant. But you know what, I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, as someone who is not a Man United fan, I don't like what the Glazers have done at Man United. I think it's, you know, I think it's all a little bit self-serving and I think it's, you know, they, they do treat it like a bit of a business rather than a football club, but I'm sure you have plenty more to say about that, don't you? 
Yeah, I mean, like, okay, even even as a business, even if you look at it as a business, it's still poor money management. Uh, just look at some of the transfers. You have Sanchez, who, who was on a whopping of 500,000 pounds per week. It wasn't that I mean, much, was it? It was, it was, I'm pretty sure it was around that figure. Yeah. And oh, we, also, we also, Sanchez, um, you know, didn't work out. I mean, it's just not him, just him. There were a lot of, like, players you knew that, when you look at Manchester United, when you look at any of these big teams, um, you look at players that they want to play for the badge. Yes, money is an incentive, but mm-hmm. you want players that are playing for the badge. If you just have players playing for the for the money, like you won't see that extra, like you know, passion on the pitch. Like that you see fire, with players no, like exactly. like Bruno Fernandes, like you see that, mm-hmm. and I think that's the best decision that that the Glazers or whoever is making the decisions have made in the past, well, post Fergie time. Um, yeah, prob- with- yeah, you know, I probably agree with that. Since the departure of Ferguson, I think the signing of Bruno has been probably one of the best things that's happened to Man United. And I think it's also because of the fans, because the fans would not stop spamming Bruno to United, Bruno to United. That's a good point, actually. Like, didn't, they, didn't they have like, wasn't didn't they um, riot outside Edward Wood's house ahead of the uh, yeah. the signing of Bruno? And it was sort of that was the um, that was the incentive for it. Yeah, because there was like a five million difference in the valuation, and that that honestly is nothing for a club like Manchester United. Of but for not. him to put that as a as an issue, really, like you know, would take off a lot of the fans. Um, mm. And I'm glad you know the fans did what they did. And when it comes to yesterday's game, um, uh, uh, just for reference, it was United versus Liverpool in the league. Um, oh, of course, yeah. The game was postponed because of the fans, um, and I think it was a very I think that there are two ways of looking at it. Um, you can look at it one way, saying that the fans won't stop. <laughs> like, there is no stopping mm-hmm. them. They were always against the Glazers. They were always against Ed. Ed's out now. But they're always against yeah, the Glazers. Yeah. And I think the Super League was literally like, you know, that 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 fire on the fuel. Yeah, and, it was. Um, I agree with that. Just, and I don't think there's any stop. There's, there's no stopping them. Uh, but looking at it from an other perspective, like, you know, the game got postponed and the, mm-hmm. the precedent that came out of that would be, um, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion. It's just that, you know, if you take, let's say, any other games that go out and let's say Fulham are playing Arsenal and if Fulham lose, they're relegated. What they could do is if fans could just, you know, raid the entire field, the stadium and postpone that game. So, and and... That that's something that could happen. I mean, I mean, sure. it could, but I mean, it, it shouldn't, should it? Realistically, yeah, like, it not for that kind of thing. Like, you know, I understand that the protests are sort of they're anti-Glazer. They're not just sort of our team isn't doing well, therefore we riot because that would be very petty. Yeah. But um, the amount of I've seen plenty of uh, plenty of things online, like football Twitter's been blowing up with the amount of memes that have said. Um, you know, Man United fans will do anything to stop City being confirmed champions. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and, you know, like, you know, obviously that's not what it is, but it's it, obviously it has got the game uh, postponed. Um, the uh, the date we're currently recording on is uh, Sunday the 3rd of May. Uh, the, the Liverpool Man... It's Monday the 3rd of May, I should say. Uh, the Liverpool-Man United game that was meant to happen yesterday, Sunday the 2nd, uh, was postponed because of the protest. The week before, actually, on the Saturday, there was another protest at Old Trafford. And I was there for that one. I'm not a United fan, oh, as wow. I mentioned. 
yeah, well, as I mentioned, I'm not a United fan. Um, I did. I went for. Uh, I went with a couple of. Well, I, I went with a friend who is a Man United fan, and we went for. Well, I went at least for journalistic reasons. I got some pictures which I can use for a website project for my uni course. Um, because I couldn't be bothered referencing uh, pictures where I got them from, so I wanted to get me on. Uh, but while I was there, you know, you can see like. It was it was bigger than I thought it would be the protest, and this wasn't even one that spilled onto the pitch or anything like that. This was, you know, they were stood outside chanting. They were stood up on the statue where of the uh, of the Holy Trinity. Uh, you know, you had Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton, and George Best all wearing Newton Heat scarves that said Glazers out on them, and you could see the passion in it. You could see that these fans, you know, they they, 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 they had, you know, as as Gary Neville keeps saying, enough is enough. They've had enough, and. As you said, I completely agree with this. The Super League is sort of the not necessarily the straw that's brought the camels back because United fans have been protesting before now. They've been anti-Glazer before now. But like you said, it's fuel on the fire, isn't it? It's sort of it's it's pushed them over the edge almost. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, like you you only have as many cards to play, and you've played them all. Nothing has worked. Mm. Just let them leave. And I think what. Well, you know, I don't know if you've seen some of the banners. They have the 50 plus one. Yes, yeah, um, that, I saw that one, yeah. I saw that going around. And, that, and I think that that's something a lot of leagues need to follow. And that follows the German league, to be honest. It and is. that's why none of the German yeah. leagues accepted the, the invitation for the Super League. is because 51% is owned by fans. It's fan-owned, yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, that passion and that sort of appreciation and reverence of the history and the legacy of these football teams in the Super League, they appreciated that it wasn't all about the money and that's why they said no. And you have to respect that, absolutely. And, you know, absolutely fair play. 100% agree, to that, agree with that. And if that was to be implemented in England, like, you know, it might not be a perfect system, but it focuses a little bit less on the money side of things and on the, you know, how can we use this to help ourselves as opposed to to help the football club and the fans. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if it will happen. It would be nice to see, hundred percent. Mm, yeah, but it would be. It would be. How would you even go about it? Because you yes. know these these owners at the top, they are billionaires, aren't they? You know, like the Glazers, for instance. They have too much money. And you know, how would you even go about getting getting them? Well, I mean, you can get them out, but it's just a matter of where does it go from there? Who comes in? And like, like with the valuation of four billion pounds, who has that that's kind of money? To that's what they reckon, isn't it, for Man United? That's what the that's yeah. like the the minimum asking price, isn't it? Four billion, and especially in this economy, I don't think anyone has mm. the liberty to spend that much. No, select few people. Select few people would, and it's yeah. it, it is a bit, it is a shame because it would you know it would be nice to see you know fans taking almost taking back the game, you know, given all this, given the recent you know with the Super League thing, the idea that the owners don't really care about the fans. It'd be nice to see the fans you know warm up them. I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens, like how these how this ends in the end. Yeah, exactly. The fallout. Well, I mean, the fallout continues um, now as we record, but the uh, and it will continue now, and it will be interesting to see how things are eventually, eventually resolved. Um, 
we've discussed mainstream football as we tend to do here on the Hayes Hour podcast. So what we're going to do now is jump back into uh, Presswich Hayes based talk and we're going to be looking ahead to next season with either Matt Barnes or Sean Cookson, depending on who the recording ends up being with, or maybe both. Um, so we can cut to that here. All right, I'm now joined by Presswich Manager Matt Barnes and Assistant Manager Sean Cookson, just for a general discussion on some of the post-season friendlies that we've been having. Uh, guys, do you want to say hi? Hey, you all right? How's it How's going? Um, nice to hear from the uh, from the management team. Uh, the first game that we've had of these post-season friendlies, if I remember right, was against Winsford Town. Yeah. And I wasn't actually... Winsford United is. Winsford, yeah. Oh, is it Winsford United? Know, it, I had to think about... Because everyone just calls them Winsford, don't they? And I had to actually think about it when we played them. Are they Winsford? What are they? But the United, yeah, Winsford yeah. United. Um, that was the first game that we had, and I wasn't actually at that game, so I'm as clued up as uh, any of the fans listening in. So uh, if you want to give us a rundown of what happened, I know it finished 2-0 and that Jack Coop got both goals. What uh, what were the takeaways from that as a, as a return to action? Yeah, the, I thought, to be fair, I thought it was a superb performance, wasn't it? Really good. We were quite shocked at how they returned and how they applied themselves after so long out um, against a well-established Premier League, North West County's Prem side. So it was it was a good run out and we got out of it exactly what we wanted, didn't we? Absolutely. The main thing about it was that, you know, we wanted to get as many minutes in as possible for all the lads. It's been a massive break. So it's just getting the enjoyment back into football again, you know, but at the same time, putting out a side that we're competing against who are competitive and Winsford are a competitive side. You know, like Matt said, they're a very well-established side in the league above. And we, you know, we matched them. We matched them in all areas of the park, which was great to see from all the lads. Sounds like we did more than match them on the score sheet. And, uh, you know, it could be a game next season as well with the application for promotion. They've, have they gone up or have they? No, they've said sure they, where they are. They've yeah. said where they are. So that means that uh, promotion going through means we will be playing them in the league next season. Yeah, so another 2 0 result wouldn't be something to um, pass up. Uh, follow that up with an away trip to Bootle. Um, a one all draw against a team, again, in a higher division. Uh, what can we say about that game? I thought that was probably the most pleasing, weren't it? One of the most pleasing games we've had throughout this sort of whatever you want to call it these friendly games um, Bootle massively well established side and actually uh, been invited to apply to go up to the league above which I always mm-hmm. call the old Evo stick anyway and I still will do um, and they'll, they'll look like they're going up from from, from the North, North West County's Prem so to take a 1-1 away yeah it was under the cost for what half an hour weren't we well I wouldn't say under the cost we was, there was a lot of pressure from, from Bootle um, but we we dealt with it well. It was something that I would think was so pleasing for us as a management team because normally, um, well, I would say normally early on from when we took over, we we'd have crumbled and we'd have lost that game four five one. Um, so to come away with it as we did was really really pleasing, and we actually had chances to nick it as well. And to be fair, I think we should have done really. We we nail added two bites at the cherry, didn't he? And and put one over mm. the stands from about four yards out, um, <laughs> which isn't like Niall. It's somebody that I, I'm so confident when it dropped to him and he was running through for the first option, uh, for the first like chance. I thought he was going to score this. And then when it dropped out to him again, I thought, well, it's definitely 2-1. There's him and Jack Coop that you'd, you'd love them to drop to and probably Alpha Belcher as well. You'd like it to drop him to him. So some some there that you'd, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to And then obviously it didn't happen. But 
the the game on the whole was massively impressed as a management team because it sort of brought home of what we've been sort of like digging away for months yeah. and months and months to, to, to achieve. Yeah, I say Bootle, you know, everybody knows Bootle, the top five side for the last, you know, good couple of years. And we turned up, we had a game plan. Our players played freedom, our players played of enjoyment and you could see the things that obviously myself, Matt and Dicko have been working on over the last 18 months come into place. And one thing that we always said was to the lads was, you know, when you start doing things naturally, that's when we know that we're on the right path. And there was certain movements and there was certain combinations that were happening on that pitch that has been, you know, it's been hard work, not just for, you know, the players, but for us as staff as well. And it was all coming to play and it was a joy to watch at certain, certain stages of the game. So it, it was really good to, you know, you take away the result. Result results don't matter currently, you know, with how everything's going on. It's all about the enjoyment and all yeah. about us getting back on the pitch and doing what we all love love doing. And it was great to see these things being implemented within the game. Yeah. I think with you touching on that with the players doing what we've been been wanting for months, um, and doing it just out of like becoming natural to them. Um, I had a discussion with the lads saying that, you know, they, they were disappointed at half time, weren't they? That they they weren't we weren't winning winning the game, and I said like, don't take it away. You you're doing things naturally that we've asked of for for months, and I think it's become sometimes. I think they think we're we maybe putting something on them that they don't think they can achieve, but they've achieved it without even knowing it now. And that's a really, really pleasing sight for, for obviously me and the management team. Of course, yeah. Um, I agree with what Cookie said at one point as well there about the brutal game. It was a very good game to watch, actually, for a 1-1. Not sure if it was just because it's my first uh, game of live football since the third lockdown, but yeah. uh, I did enjoy watching the game. Um then the uh, the good luck sort of dried up a little bit. It was the away game to Radcliffe after that. Uh, 5-2 defeat, which I personally thought looked a lot worse on paper than it was uh, performance-wise. What were your thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah, I thought, again, um, I said after the game to the lads, they've got to be pleased with themselves. Um, going to a, a Northern Prem side like, like Radcliffe Borough um, and performing the way we did and be only being 2-1 at half-time and picking up as many injuries as we did in the game yeah, absolutely. Um, really, sort of showed where we're, what we're becoming. Hopefully, um, look at. I'm not going to sit here and say we've become this great side and we're we're going to go on and achieve everything. Um, but what I'm saying is that it really stood out to what, uh, and I mentioned it before, what we, what we've been trying to achieve for since we since we come in. Um, and going up against that type of t- type of team, with a lad that was probably well, I know they've had offers from from league clubs and conference clubs for as a centre forward, going up against them and and taking the game to them, like you say, yeah, it was five two, but was it a five two game? Was it heck? No, was I it heck? So. I mean, I think we we missed chances that we we could have, you know, we could we could have scored easy two or three more, um, but they're different in levels. They took the chances we didn't. Mm. I think a big thing about it as well is, you know, on a coaching standpoint, you got to take away from the fact that, you know, they know that the players are a lot, you know, a lot higher up in the leagues and we still try to play the right way. We still try to do the right things. And for us, that shows that the players have belief 
not just in their own ability but belief in you know the way we want to play you know and that's an always a good sign so seeing you know us putting that into practice against a team of such a high caliber you know is a great thing for us to you know take on board <laughs> and have the teams be able to do when we play against our own level teams teams that mm-hmm. are going to be competitive with ourselves instead of being levels above yeah, mm-hmm. um, well the games against the teams in higher divisions just kept on coming uh, there was the game against Ashton United which was a 4-0 loss the first game back at the AMP uh, probably not as many positives but certainly still you know something you could um, you could take from that match yeah I think 4-0 scoreline again against Northern Premside who was so well drilled weren't they and, and, and it was a listen it was it was a good to watch from our perspective as well Um to watch a team like them. However, again, I, I'm, I'm not just saying it because I'm pressed with Jay's manager or whatever. I don't think it was a 4-0 game. I thought we, we took it to him, especially in the first half. I thought it was a very, very good first half. Um, but they're just just a class above. Uh, listen, listen, we knew that. And that's why we wanted to play these teams. And it's not only to play these teams, it's to put some of our lads on a pedestal saying, go on, go and prove where you want to be. Because, I listen, why... why, why some of our lads, they should be pushing on to that, should be wanting to play at that level. And that's where we, we say, listen, you're at this level at the minute. That's what you've got to aim for. And mm-hmm. it was good. It was good to watch. They played well. And to be fair, did we disgrace ourselves? No, we didn't at all. No, at, all. at all. I think 4-0, four 4-0. Nil, four nil. And, and listen, I, I, I get on really well with Cleggie, their manager. Um, and he even said, like, you know, like the, the the results sort of flattered him. It didn't. I won't say it, he didn't use them words. Can't remember exactly what he said, but he was very complimentary, weren't he? Yeah. And on that night, the refer the the referees and the, the linesmen were really complimentary of how we how we we took the game to them, especially in the first half. I think again, injuries sort of like hit us again because it's it's. You've got to remember, we've not played for a long time, and these lads have been mm-hmm. been been asked to go back into ninety minutes of football, and that's what what they've done. Um. But yeah, I, I was I was pleased again with them, and yeah, with the, listen, we lost four 0 we lost the game, but we set up these games for reasons and to 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 work on certain things, um, and we've got far more out of them than what we than pro, what we haven't, have we? Yeah, so with the Ashton game, I think a big thing, you know, we spoke about with the lads, it, it's a great experience for them to understand at that level. The differences and you know it, the difference isn't taking the chances. Yeah. The difference is how you receive a ball. The difference is how do you disguise a pass. The difference is you know the speed of play, and it's a great experience for lads who have not played against that before or experienced that level to get an insight of how how them players are at that level and what makes them, you know, suitable for going up in them divisions. Because Ashton, you know, they're a side that are going to be knocking on the door. We're sad that are going to be trying to be pushing for that conference in, you know, maybe next season or the season after, you know, and you can see it with the ability of the players. So, especially for the younger lads, to show the younger lads, you know, what it does take to be at that level, great experience for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the most recent one was a 3-1 loss to Longridge. Um, not quite as uh, as damning on paper, yeah. I think you can say. And... Um, what um we've got your thoughts on that in a in a post match interview, but uh, what else uh, what else have you got to say about that game? Of course, we were hit by uh, hit by absences quite a bit there, yeah, quite a few uh, few crucial players missing. You Jack Coops, you Jacob Holtz, 
Um, what can you say about that game? Yeah, for, for me, it's like, as I said on Saturday, I, I think we, we, la- we, we was naive. And I think the naivety were there because of certain players were missing. Um, chances were missed that, you know, certain players wouldn't have missed. And it totally changes the game. Um, they had three chances, I think, and scored three. I can't remember him having any other chances. Can you clear cut? Yeah, see, the one thing that Longridge do well is they have a set style of play, and they play that way yeah. very, very well. And, you know, they waited for us to commit, and they waited for us to make a mistake. And once we made them mistakes, then they counted, and they counted very good. They counted very, very well, and they were ruthless. Yeah, I think without being... And it might sound a bit disrespectful, but they they took upon the chance when we made our changes, and that's not because we're weak on the side. It was because the players coming off were used to that. That they were they got used to it throughout the game, how their way of their pattern of play and how they were playing. Whereas, listen, substitutes going on, they don't always take note of the game, do they? Let's be honest. They, we sit we as much as we can ask them and as much as they, they they do sit there and just sort of like talk between themselves and maybe miss things that could be crucial to them when, when they go on. I think that's a message that we've got to really hit home next year. Um if we want to do anything in, in the Northwest Counties Prem. But I think they they took advantage of our our changes and it's not because I think it were more disruption to the team than we weren't making changes due to lack of quality that's that's the way I'm sort of going about about what I mean I don't know whether you agree with that okay no no I'd agree with that I say um, littlest changes can make all the difference in football as, as everybody knows you know when they took the chances and they take them well and then what what makes a side like of Longridge's level you know successful is that they know how to control the game afterwards they know how to set the tempo and the consistency, the consistent yeah. at what they do. And, you know, again, I go back to experiences for our lads. Our lads have seen that firsthand at a club again, who are a very well-established Northwest County side. You know, a club who just only missed out on potentially going up for that promotion. You know, mm. they, they're going to be around there next season. They really are. Yeah. So for our lads to experience what it's like coming into that league and playing against one of the top sides... And seeing what it's all about, it's going to be a learning cycle for them. And mm-hmm. hopefully, we take that on board and take that into next season when we do play them in a competitive match. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a bit of a learning curve for the boys. And there's one more yet to come. There's Northridge Victoria. As we're recording this, it's the uh, it's Tuesday the fourth, and that game is on Saturday the eighth. Uh, what can we uh, look at going into that game against Northridge Victoria? Yeah, it's the last game. Um, basically, we're going to get the lads to enjoy it, don't we? Um, we're down at the club today. We've had to have certain conversations with, with lads tonight. That you know, it's it's not been the most loving, lovely night. So you know, there'll be some lads there that that have had a conversation with us tonight. That'll be able to go and play with freedom and enjoy themselves. Um, and that, that's what we want. Listen, the, the result doesn't matter. Uh, Saturday, it's about getting that last game of football in before the break, before the fifteenth when we return, fifteenth mm-hmm. of June, and. Basically, just it's it's one of them where let's go out and enjoy the game of football for because it's the last one for what six weeks. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, last bit of football for six weeks. There'll be, mm-hmm. be eight weeks, nine weeks before they play football again. Yeah. As a competi- well, in a, in a friendly match. Yeah. yeah. Against the side again, who are, yeah. you know, an excellent side. Steve Wilkes always has a very, very good side. You know, whatever team he puts out, they're always strong. So, again, it's going to be a good experience for the young lads. It's going to be enjoyment for our players. And, you know, we want them to just go and enjoy the ball. Just go and enjoy football. Enjoy yeah. themselves. And they take it on from there and yeah. come back on the 15th fit and ready. Yeah, we're, we're just like, the thing is, is that, we, you know, we know it's behind closed doors and there's, there's people adopting Hayes Hill again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and we just want to basically just say, Thanks to them for a, a, a tough, tough twelve months of what we've had with coronavirus. With you know they sticking by us always. You know I've I've spoke to many of them on the phone, sticking by us, speaking to us. You know helping us out around the club. So we just want to say maybe like you know just put on a bit of a show for them, and say look we'll, we'll be back next year and and we're hoping to be in that prem hopefully with with everything going in as it as it is, um, and. We'll hopefully have some new faces as well. Hopefully, yeah, it should be uh, should be a good season next season, whether promotion is confirmed or not, and it'll be so nice to have the fans back at the AMP. Yeah. Um, one more question then, with uh, with you just mentioning uh, COVID, the uh, the pandemic is you know fading. I don't want to jinx anything, yeah. but you know things are restrictions are being lifted. Just out of curiosity, it can be personal, or it can be press switch based. Uh, any plans for the off season? Um. Our work don't stop, does it? No, Let's be and, and people that know me and people like other managers around around the uh, Northwest counties know this that it doesn't stop. Um, we'll be working hard to bring in players that we we want to bring in um, to help this club progress. Um, you know, with me and Cookie and Dicko um, and the club, you know, the club behind the scenes, everybody behind the scenes have a project here, and we know where we want to be. Um, and I'm just hoping that we can kickstart it really well from making this jump into hopefully, like obviously we're 99% there, um, but I never want to say we're definitely there. Mm-hmm. If we get into this Prem, it, it, it kickstarts an exciting future for Presswick Chase. Absolutely. All right, thank you both so much for your time. Thanks for featuring on the Hazel podcast. I'm sure it won't be the last we hear of you. No. Nope. Um, and uh, up the haze, all yeah, of us guys. Thank you very much. Cheers. See ya. So nice to hear from Barney again on the Hayes Isle podcast or, um, and Cookie as well. It's um, good to um, discuss with them the season coming up next campaign. Um, that's all we've got time for on the Hazel podcast for this month's edition. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, Zanir, thank you very much for uh, for co-hosting with me. Thanks for having me. I'm sure you'll be. Pleasure. I'm sure you'll be back on before long. If um, if you're back on next month or if you're back on in um, in a few uh, future time. Um, thank you everybody for listening, um, and we'll be back again next month for more Presswich Hayes based content and. We will see you then. Up the haze, everybody.